This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to It's Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have Jamie Popper from Blue Nine Pet Products. Jamie, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm happy to have you. So for those of you who don't know, Blue Nine does a lot of different pet products and they're, they've been a regular vendor at Hits for the last couple of years. And if you've been to Hits and you've seen the booth that has all the, the dog platforms stacked up all around it and usually a big crowd around it and usually a dog or two uh, up on the platform doing some stuff, that's the, the Blue Nine booth always been a popular booth and I brought Jamie on today because while I'm familiar with their product quite frankly I'm not super familiar with platform training as probably a lot of people probably aren't um, I but I've talked to guys that you know maybe weren't a few years ago and then they saw blue nine at the at hits and now they're sold on it so Jamie has an extensive experience uh, training dogs with this you know marker training and using platforms. So she's going to be a great wealth of knowledge to kind of uh, explain what the platform does, why why it might be something you could use for either a patrol dog, detector dog, or just a pet. Um, but I guess, Jamie, I'll tell you, for from my experience, one of the things that's changed a little bit in the 25 years I've been handling police dogs now is that 25 years ago, most of the dogs were either titled or just about titled. So they had extensive obedience in them already. Over the last you know 10 years, the market's changed dramatically and we're getting a lot of young dogs and we're getting some truly, truly green dogs that maybe have been taught how to bite a sleeve. And other than that, very little control, very little obedience, which has kind of forced some of us that maybe, uh, you know, I never did sport work or anything like that before. Um, so the the beginning obedience and the fine-tuning obedience wasn't really part of my repertoire until I started having to, to train some younger dogs that, that really didn't have anything. So you know, we kind of went with what we knew, knew but there's obvious always a lot better uh, ways to do things and, and new ways to do stuff. So I'm hoping that maybe you can kind of give us the, you know, what is a platform? What's it all about? How to use it? What's the history of it? And, you know, all those basics. But before we get to that, if you can kind of just tell us, you know, about yourself and your background too, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a professional dog trainer. I've been in the industry um, for quite some time now. And um you know, when I first started training dogs, it was mostly just pet dogs. Um, and while I loved it, I really started diving into some of the sports with my personal dog. Um, I've got an Australian Shepherd. He is um, the fluffiest little monster. Absolutely love him. Um, but we do competitive obedience together. It's talking about those like really refined skills that we need from our dogs, whether they're working or just doing sports. Um, so competition heels, long distance stays, working in a wide variety of different environments with um, lots of different distractions, that sort of thing. Um, I also do uh, rally and disc and all of that. We've dabbled in um, some bite work stuff, but we'll never compete. Um, but you should see him on the sleeve. He's a ferocious, <laughs> ferocious little 35 pounder. Um, but I don't claim to know much about that, that sport specifically. Um, and then I started working for Blue Nine Pet Products about four years ago. And when I first saw these platforms, I looked at them and I was like, what would I even use that for? It's, um, it's a square table with four legs, man. Like what, what, what is this? And, um, 
to kind of paint the picture for the people who are listening to this podcast and might not be familiar, the Climb dog training platform by Blue Nine, and this isn't a sales pitch. Um, people have been using platforms for hundreds of years. We just made a commercially available pro- product for it. Uh, but to kind of paint the picture for people, it's this uh, square table. It's 24 inches by 24 inches. It stands 12 inches tall, and it's got legs that unscrew and store underneath it. So it's a platform that you can take on the go. That's some of the benefits for it. It's lightweight, portable, that sort of thing. Uh, but so when I first saw it, I was like, okay, it's a table. Like, what am I supposed to use it for? <laughs> um, and so over the years that I've worked with a company, I've really found a lot of value in it. So kind of going back to what you were saying, Jeff, about how, you know, there's more green dogs that are going into, um, you know, getting into handlers hands. And now you're having to work on some of those obedience skills and training them yourself. Um, and I, for one, I, I kind of like the idea of that because I feel like the handlers will have a much better opportunity to build a really strong bond with their dogs by being able to do that obedience training with them. There are such subtle nuances when you've trained a behavior to your dog that you can see when you are really analyzing their their body language and their posture um, as you're doing training sessions, something as simple as an ear flick or a momentary pause in how your dog is breathing can be a signal that you should be listening to, um, especially if you have a detection dog. Um, so I think that that's kind of interesting that there are more green dogs that are getting into handlers' hands and that you're spending more time doing obedience work with them. Yeah, for sure. The the, the market has changed over the last 10 years, for sure. And it's not going to go back that anyway, anytime soon. Yeah. So um, I'd love to touch a little bit on the history of platform training, too. It's by no means... Um, a new concept, uh, but it has been wiggling its way into the dog training industry more and more lately. Um, Some of the earliest uses for platforms were in circus and zoo animal training with some of the references dating back to the 1800s. So not new at all. But if you think about it, you know, a lion and a tiger and a bear can inflict quite a bit of damage on a circus handler trainer. Um, But potentially, you know, potentially not as much as a German Shepherd or a Malinois. And so, you know, if you look at some, there's so many similarities there, I think. Um, if an, if you're working with uh, an animal on a platform, um, it creates a defined elevated space for the dog or the animal to stay on. So you as a trainer know exactly where each of your animals are and you can predict any issues that might happen should the animal choose to break the position off of the platform. So I feel like it comes in so handy for working on impulse control work. Can my dog just hold a stay? And if I put them up on a platform, I'm going to be able to tell really quickly if the dog is breaking out of position um, rather than just you know putting them on, on grass or the, the, in your training area going from a sit to launching at a person um, can happen very quickly versus when they're on a platform, they have to jump off of it and make a much bigger defined decision. um, Should they, you know, choose to break out of their stay and take action on their own. And does it clear the dog's head a little bit to to put them in a space too? Like I got to stay here. And yeah, it does. So one of the analogies that, that one of our customers actually brought to us, and I love this analogy, like putting a child behind a desk at school, it puts them into a learning mindset. So we have different cues that we give our dogs when we're trying to get them to, when we're get, if you have a, a dual patrol dog, for example, you know, you might have a dog that uh, signals like, hey, we're searching or hey, I need you to bite. Um, and so 
same thing for our dogs. When we put them into a training scenario, how can we put them into the right mindset of, hey, we're working on obedience work. Um, so when we put them up on a platform, creating that defined space for the dog to work within, it helps them focus, but it also signals to them, hey, we're doing obedience work or, hey, we're doing impulse control work. And and we had talked before the show because um, uh, you use a lot of markers with your platforms, uh, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So we had talked before the show and instead of kind of rehashing the whole marker thing, um, there's some good videos at blue nine, blue dash nine.com that they mm-hmm. have. And then also if, uh, if you haven't listened to the episodes that we did here at canine hits canine radio with Cameron Ford a while back, we did three parts of uh, marker training. And if you, if you're interested in marker training, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to those. Cause if we keep talking about this, I'm sure markers would come in and that's where I'm leading this question is that, Um, once the mark is clearly established and then the dog understands, you know, that I'm in a learning environment on this platform, I imagine the anticipation of whatever the reward is that's built in with the mark is just all that much better. It just helps that anticipation, which gets him probably to, to do the desired skill even quicker. Yeah, definitely. They, um, they know that when they're up on the platform, they're doing the right thing. Um, and so, you know, they get rewards, whether that's a tug reward or a food reward when they're up there. Um, so they're definitely excited to be up there. One of the other things to kind of think about too, going back to that, like focus or mindset thing as well, we think about, you know, typically we might work our dog on a six foot long leash, right? And if you have any trouble with your dog being focused on you or being distracted by the environment, Think about how many things our dogs can find in that six foot radius of you. They might smell where another dog has gone to the bathroom or they might find a dropped treat crumble if you're using food as a reinforcer um, in your training. So there's lots of other distractions present in that six foot radius. But when we put our dog up on a platform, two foot by two foot, um, then there's so many fewer distractions or reinforcers available in that environment. So the dog is automatically going to be more focused on the handler and whatever new skill they're going to be working on. Um, And another thing that we say is quiet feet equals a focused mind. So um, for our high drive dogs that are moving around a lot and getting, you know, they can almost work themselves up into a frenzy, just pacing and, um, you know, looking, looking for something to do. So we put them up on a platform. They've got to focus on staying up on that platform. They have to sit still, um, if you will. And so we can work on all kinds of different behaviors once they're up on that platform too, because it just quiets them down quite a bit. So will you generally start, um, and get a mark built into the dog before you introduce them to the platform or does it go hand in hand? Um, so if by marker, you mean like clicker training or like using a verbal marker, like, yes. Um, you know, I, Being an avid clicker trainer, I know that whatever the first behavior I use a clicker with is going to be a behavior that I have for the rest of my life. I love using platform, uh, uh, teaching my dog to go to a specific platform and stay there with distance duration and distractions. I feel like that is the perfect cue to work on. And so it really makes it so, so clear, especially for beginning dog trainers to help understand some of those concepts as well. That I can observe the behavior that I want all four feet on the platform. That's pretty clear and easy to observe. Mark that behavior with a clicker and reinforce them with food. And then I can start adding duration to it 
that's pretty easy to do with a behavior like that. Adding distractions, the dog is going to be glued to that platform if they've received a lot of reinforcement there. Um, and then adding distance, distance and distractions to that. Um, so I feel like it's the perfect skill to work on understanding how you change your levels of criteria to help the dog the dogs be successful. Um, but you can certainly, you know, charge that marker, charge the either a verbal marker of yes or a clicker um, in that same training session as well. Okay. So just for our listeners, if, the, you know, if, say I've got a green dog, it's a, you know, 10 month, 12, 12 month old Malinois, for instance, and um, I'm just getting ready to start some stuff. What would be, what would be your recommendation? Dog's completely green. He's going to be a dual purpose dog down the road, but I want to build in some, you know, obedience to him and just get him to, to at least get some foundation. And if he has none, uh, where would I start with that? What would be my first couple of days? Yeah, I think um, everyone really has similar cues that they want to cues or behaviors that they want to teach right off the bat, sit, stay, come, leave it, heal, that sort of thing. Um, once I've trained stay on a platform as a behavior, though, I can use it for so many different things. Um, one can be impulse control, which I think a lot of our dogs really need. But the other is drive building. Um, so we'll talk about impulse control as one. So um, as one topic, and that is, you know, go to go to your client and stay there, no matter what distraction is going on. I should be able to put um, my Australian Shepherd up on a platform and play tug or disc or bite a sleeve with another dog. My dog shouldn't come off of the platform. So that's impulse control. Don't come off of the platform or do anything unless I've specifically given you a cue to do so. But I can also use it for drive building. If I'm working on heel work with my dog. Um, you know, off of the platform, working on different skills, and my dog is giving me lackluster, lackluster effort, I'll send him to his client and he can stay there for 30 seconds to a minute until he's ready to really give me everything that he's got. And so our, uh, I mean, I, I would say that most dogs are workaholics that, you know, all of our herding dogs that we deal with are workaholics. And so they want, they want that relationship with the handler. They want to work, but if they're not giving us everything that they can throw them on the platform for 30 seconds, like you're not giving me heads up, prancy healing. Um, you're not striking the ball hard and fast. When I say, yes, get it. Then go sit, go sit on the platform for 30 seconds and, build up that anticipation of the opportunity to work and then bring them off and then you can play with them again. So I think, um, you know, impulse control and drive building are two kind of core mainstays of dog training. Um, not necessarily just skill base. Yeah. yeah. Let me just back up just a little bit though. So just for, you know, those of us who've, who have, I've never used a, a, a platform in this way. So on that first day, I assume I'm going to bring him into maybe a smaller room where there's not too many options maybe maybe he understands the mark to a certain point and i'm going to wait till he starts going to the platform and i'll mark that and i'll just do a progressive approximation is that how you would generally start getting him onto the platform yeah so there's two ways um you could use luring so walk up to the platform use a, a cookie at your dog's nose lure them up onto the platform and they've got all four feet up on the platform, click and give them, you know, a small handful of cookies to eat while they're up there. Um, but I love making the dogs think a little bit more. Every dog can follow a cookie up onto a platform. But if we just walk into a relatively small room, like you said, with few opportunities, then we can shape the behavior. So maybe the dog looks at the platform, we click and treat. The dog sniffs the platform, we click and treat. The dog puts two feet up on there, we click and treat. Um, and we build it up. And I think a lot of people 
might look at that and be like, wow, that's a lot of treats just for getting the dog to go on a platform. But it's really about training the concept of problem solve. Think for yourself. If your dog gets stuck in a tricky situation off leash behind a fence that they need to jump, the dog needs to have the confidence to be able to think for themselves and take action rather than just follow everything that we've been teaching them to do. So shaping is really yeah, fun. Yeah, that's a great point. We we talked about that a little bit in our uh, the the podcast we do with Cameron, but just for uh, iteration, you really you're teaching the dog cognitive thinking. Where and sometimes you know if we if all we do is give the dog a correction and then a reward and he's always on a leash, that cognitive skill for the dog is really not going to be there. So people might be uh, focusing on all I'm making my dog do is stand on this platform, but the plat- stand on the platform is a small part of it. It's getting that brain getting the little gears turning and teaching the dog, you know, start paying attention to me and we'll keep going forward. You'll get your reward. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. And then once I've, once I've trained the dog um, to confidently jump up onto the platform, then I want to start really building value for it. So once my dog gets up there, if I give him, you know, five treats one after another, and then I can invite him to get off of it just by taking a step backwards. If he gets off of it, great. And then I'm going to wait him out and see Hmm, what I want him to think is, hey, that lady gave me treats when I was up on that platform. I'm going to jump up there again. And so the dog is now freely offering this behavior and saying, hey, can I get another cookie if I jump up here? When the dog does that, then we reward them a couple more times while they're up there. And from there, then we can start to add in a cue for it. Um, So my cue obviously is climb, but a lot of other people use the word place. Um, so just before your dog is about to jump up onto the platform, say climb, dog gets up there, mark and reward. Um, and so then the third step, so we've introduced them to it. Now we've added the cue of go to your climb or, or climb. Now what we want to do is build enough duration on there. They should only ever get off of that platform when we've given them a specific release cue or given them another cue. So, uh, for example, for my dog, his release cue to get off of the climb is break. Um, but if I also told him get it, then he would break off of the climb in order to get to the, the object that I had thrown for him, that sort of thing. Um, so once you've built that in, though, that now you've got this cue that you can say, okay, now you're allowed to get off of the platform, then you can start adding in those um, distractions and the duration. So um, I think also talking about realistic applications of this, um, you know, giving your dog a place to go and lay down at, at in the home to kind of relax as well, get them out of your way and out from under underfoot is helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I, I think inadvertently, I've always done that. I've, I've always had a dog bed in my house because I keep all my dogs in the house and I've always made them go to their bed, you know, so it was a not really doing platform, but it was same same exact concept, you know, and I teach them that. My question here is that on that first day or two, when you're doing the, the initial training of the platform, what is the correction to the dog if he's on the platform and leaves it without um, being told to? I think it really depends on the dog. I I focus more on training the specific behavior that I want of the dog rather than worrying too much about mistakes, especially when the cost of this mistake is relatively um, is not that high, you know, a dog that bites uncued, that's, that's a pretty big cost uh, and should be met with, you know, a punishment that's appropriate to it. But when I'm just starting on teaching this platform training, as far as a correction, if the dog gets off of the platform, I might use body pressure, like taking a step towards the dog to cue them to get back on the platform. 
Um, but really it's about building value for getting up there. I want the dog to think being up here is great. And this is where a lot of fun stuff happens um, and not make it kind of a zone where there's conflict in the dog. So basically, if I'm hearing you right, if, if, if you're on the one of the first days of it, the dog's up there, he gets his reward, then he gets a little bored, he gets off it. Maybe one of the best things to do is just simply ignore the dog because then he'll start eliciting some behavior to get, get a, a reward again. And when he, when he does gets up back on the um, climb, then you could reward it and just build that in without any conflict. Yeah. As long as, as long as the dog um, does not have access to other reinforcers. So if the dog gets off of the climb platform and goes and finds a tug toy and lays down in the corner and chews on it for 20 minutes, you know, we're not going to ignore that. Um, but I would much rather be like, dude, like you, you could get some cookies if you were up on that platform. Why don't we try and figure this out? And then also realize, you know, thinking from kind of a green handler standpoint, if the dog broke off of the climb platform before you gave them that release cue, what did we as a dog trainer do wrong to not set our dog up for success? So breaking those behaviors down into the littlest, teeniest, tiniest pieces and building it up from scratch, I think is important too. But yeah, if you've trained a dog and they've gotten off of the platform uncued and it's something that you know that your dog is able to do, you know, re-cueing them to get back up on the platform or almost anticipating it. If you see them shuffle their feet or whatever, take a step towards them and, um, you know, cue them to stay up on the platform if needed. Okay. And I know you've, you gave me a whole list of things that, that you can use. Uh, we've talked about some of them, but like some of the obedience skills, um, how do you build in a heel using a uh, platform? That's a great question. Um, so I use, I'll take the legs off of my climb platform so that it's only four inches tall. Um, that's still enough of a definition for um, the heel work specific skill. And what I'm doing um, to teach heel work there is mostly just positioning. So um, typically in heel work, we want our dog really close to our left leg, um, you know, if not touching it. And so what I'll do is with my small dog, um, I will actually stand up on top of the platform and I'll cue my dog to get into heel position. So it's his responsibility to get all four feet up onto the platform into a nice, beautiful sit position right next to my left leg. For larger dogs, though, you can stand, um, you know, to the to the right of the climb. So the climb would be on your left side and you cue your dog to get up onto that platform. What, why this helps is it creates a defined space for the dog to get into. So, so often when we're luring this behavior or using leash pressure to get our dogs into this behavior, they end up sitting wide, you know, further away from our leg than we would want them to. Uh, but by saying, nope, all four feet have to be on this platform, you get them much closer to your leg, which makes for, um, you know, more impressive heel work if you're doing competitive obedience. Um, and also just the ability to navigate tighter spaces or high traffic situations if you're out working your dog in public. So when you're when you've taken the legs off and then you're out calling the dog to the heel, are you giving him the the place command for the um, for the platform, or are you giving him now a heel command? I would give them a heel command uh, because eventually I want to fade out the use of the platform. Um, and so, you know, I use, I use the phrase fade out the use of the platform, but it's not an extensive training process to do that. I can do a few repetitions of the behavior with the platform, help my dog build the muscle memory of the skill, 
and then get rid of the platform and hopefully the behavior stays the same. Um, if you think about it, um, handwriting is a muscle memory skill. So if you think about when you are in elementary school, the first few times that you learned how to write your ABCs, we had, you know, little pieces of paper and we would trace over top of them, but we didn't have to keep that piece of paper or, you know, practice on that piece of paper with tracing for very long before we had built the muscle memory of that into our fingers. And now we can, you know, write sent full sentences and stuff like that. So same thing for our dogs. If we can get that muscle memory of the action uh, by using a prop like a platform, we can get rid of that platform or that prop fairly quickly if you have clean dog training. Um, and, you know, it's not something that becomes a crutch for the dog because they have the muscle memory for it now. And so then I assume you've taken, when you take the platform away, you give him a heel command and he understands he needs to be in that zone. So as you start to walk, he understands I just have to stay right here in this, this area that I've been taught to. Yeah. And this is one that I really do build one step at a time. So once the dog has realized that getting into heel position has a lot of value, um, using, you know, food reinforcers or tug reinforcers in that position, um, then I can take a step forward, call the dog to get into heel position, moving forward with me, reward that one step. Um, and then I'm a big fan if the dog makes a mistake on this. So I'm, you know, walking along with my dog and my dog gets too far ahead of me. If I just stop, most of the time the dog is going to be like, oops, crap, I was supposed to be in heel position. And they're going to fix it themselves. Um, you know, certainly we can use a leash pop or something like that. But I love it so much more when I stop and the dog is like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was supposed to be doing something. I was supposed to be in heel position. And so they come back to heel position. And that's when you get a dog that's really thinking through everything rather than just waiting for a leash sensation to tell him what he's supposed to be thinking or doing. Yeah. Cause a lot of, the, you know, a, a real well-selected dog, they'll, they'll take that uh, punishment once in a while. It's just, that's a price to pay if I want to go do something. So I like the mm -hmm. idea of, of changing their mindset of, you know, that they're going to inducing them into doing it as opposed to building in that conflict. Mm -hmm. What are some yeah, other definitely. stuff that are, you know, specific to, you know, like a, a patrol dog that you could use a climb for? So thinking about some more of those uh, basic obedience skills, we talked about heel, um, long distance stays. So I'm not sure. I've seen a couple of videos of this happening, but um, can you bring a patrol dog out, put them into a down stay and then approach a vehicle or whatever? Um for, you know, talking to a potential suspect, that sort of thing. And can your dog maintain that stay with the distractions that are going on in the environment? I know we've got sophisticated um, door unlocking technology nowadays too, um, which is probably a little bit safer for, for the dog in the event they choose not to stay. But, um, you know, we can, the presence of the canine is definitely not something to be understated either. Um, so working on stays, if we create that defined space for the dog to work on by using that platform, you'd be surprised and I think impressed the level of distractions that we can proof our dog um, to be able to do. And here's what I think a lot of people um, really miss when we talk about platform training. If I put my dog into a sit stay on the ground. What does he have to do in order to not be meeting criteria of that sit stay? He just has to take two baby steps forwards with his front feet, and now he's standing up. And standing up is, you know, a precursor to running and finding something else fun that he wants to do. Um, whereas if I put him up on a platform, 
what does he have to do in order to be wrong? He has to jump 12 inches down. That's a much bigger choice point in the dog's mind. They have to consciously think about jumping that 12 inches down. And so it makes that choice point better, more clear for the dog. If I'm up here, I'm right. If I'm off of the platform, I'm wrong. And so when we start incorporating these distractions, um, it's easy for us to tell when the dog has inched forward um, when they're on the platform, because if they inch forward, they're off of it. And so now they're not meeting criteria. They've made a mistake and we have to go back and fix it. Um, so if we work on stays with a platform, we can incorporate a lot more distractions um, and proof that behavior a lot more. Um, some other things to think about too, uh, behaviors at a distance. If we wanna be able to ask our dog to go from a sitting position to a down position 20 feet away from us, um, then when we put them up on a platform, it prevents them from creeping forward. So teaching that concept of, I can listen to cues or commands at a distance from the handler, whether that's going from you know a full-blown running um, for a bite and then slamming into a down at a distance, um, or just working on being able to have our dog go to a place and lay down there too. Um, so cues at a distance, um, and then I think another thing to kind of talk about as well is husbandry skills. So can we groom our dogs? Um, can we trim their toenails? Can we brush them? Um, can we inspect their teeth? Can we put our hands all over their bodies um, and have them be comfortable with that and not it be a sign of, you know, conflict? And so if we put them up on a platform and we say, hey, you know, this is a grooming table now. I'm going to trim your toenails. Don't bite me. I'm going to check your ears. I'm going to check your body overall to make sure that there's no new lumps or bumps or fleas or ticks and stuff like that. Um, so it can definitely be used for that as well. Let me throw in a quick editorial on that subject. If you're a, if you're a working dog handler and you're not checking your dog every single night at the end of your shift, you know, shame on you. Uh, I build my dogs into a ritual and I don't use a, a platform. I use a rug. So it's basically the same thing. But we walk into the house and dog lays down. I'm taking my boots off and stuff. I've done it with all my patrol dogs, all my detector dogs, and they stay there. And I roll them over and I check them from nose to tail. And I check every part of them just to make sure they don't have stickers, anything new going on. Um, so check your dogs every single day. And this seems like it would be a really easy way to, to start that and either use it for their whole life and put them up onto a platform or at least get them used to, to doing it. But I talk to a lot of handlers and they, they neglect to do that. And They'll, you know, you'll talk to them and they'll find out that their dog has an infection from a, a sticker in their paw that probably was there for four or five days. And it, it really kind of ticks me off because they should have found it that very first night. Yeah. Yeah. There's an acronym that I use for remembering what all to check on my dog. And the acronym is SCENT. So that should be easier for our detection dogs. <laughs> um, uh, and the acronym stands for skin, coat, ears, nails teeth. If I check those five things on my dog every day, um, I'm bound to find an issue before it becomes something, um, something much bigger. So with our, with our dogs that have such important jobs, um, it's so important that we keep them in tip top health and, and tip top shape. And what I've found over the years too, is that that takes that dog from work mode and kicks them into, it, they, they get relaxed when I do it. And then they're they're kind of mellow out and they're not running all around the house uh, after work because they, they understand, all right, work's over, wait for the phone call or, or wait for another day. So 
Going back to the the platform though, how long is this process? I've got a green dog. I start doing all these different things. In general, every dog is different, but how long is it going to be? How many days or how many training sessions before I start seeing some pretty noticeable results using this? That's a great question. Um, I think one of the one of the goals that I have for my dog when it comes to the platform is: can I send you there, and can you stay there for twenty minutes? Um, so I want to be able to send you there from ten feet away, and I want you to be able to lay down there for twenty minutes while I do something else without having to having to you know look at you that much. Um, and so for that specific training process, I would say seven to fourteen days, so one to two weeks, and I should be able to have any dog that's able to do to do that behavior. And I my training sessions with my dogs are at five to ten minutes in length. Um, maybe once or twice a day on a on a good week. Um, <laughs> so you know something like that. But as far as recognizing some of the benefits of platform training, I bet you the first training session that you do with a dog, once you once you've gotten and used to getting on and off of it, you know your second training session, if you start working on a behavior like sit or down or hold or um, speak on cue. Um, once you start working on those specific behaviors, you're going to notice that difference in your dog's level of focus on you in your first or second training session, utilizing it that way. And finally, if I have a dog, you know, maybe he's four or five years old and his obedience is a little sloppy, or if I'm trying to work on something specific, maybe release or something, and I decide I want to include this in there, is there any problem with doing it with a dog that was trained, maybe with a leash and a um, corrections that way? And now I want to just add this in with a already pre-trained dog. No, um, it shouldn't have any troubles with that. If your dog has been trained with more coercive based methods, I don't know um, what term you guys use to describe it, but more leash pressure or pressure and release, I guess. Um, I would challenge you um, to, you know, bring on this tool and try it with more marker based or positive reinforcement based training as just an experiment. Um, sure, you can certainly accomplish the same goal um, of training a dog to go to a platform and stay there using pressure and release. People do it all the time and have great success with it. But I think that if you walk into it with the mindset of, I'm going to try out this new technique on a behavior that um, that is relatively easy and simple to train, um, I, I bet you would have light bulb moments with it um, and be pretty inspired by it. And I really think this is, you know, as, as I mentioned, I'm kind of ignorant on this. And years ago, I was not a, a person who liked using clickers. And um, we use markers now. We don't use a clicker for a few different reasons. But um, I'm absolutely sold on the, the power of using a marker. And I, I can see where tying these in together will be something that I think probably will be an industry standard before too long. So I'm glad you guys are kind of pushing the this uh, out there. Because, again, until... Uh, you know, I talked to you a little bit at a couple of the shows and then really started opening my, my mind. Now I realize that there's really good good reasons to use these. So hopefully, guys, uh, if you like this, you can go to the website, blue-9.com. There's quite a few videos on there, and it'll give you a, a step-by-step and how to get started and some stuff on there. The product's on there. But as Jamie said, I mean, the product's a great product. But if you just want to play with it, go find a park bench, go find a picnic table, find something to at least see if you like it. And then I have a feeling once you... Uh, get into it, then it, you'll see the the benefits of having a collapsible uh, climb or two. That uh, I like how they stack together, and I think that just would really open up your world to start playing some games with your dog if you have three or four stacked up and have them pick which one you want them to go to. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, too. Um, you just mentioned how they connect and stack. And so, you know, if you've got a department or if you have a training facility that, um, you know, trains multiple dogs at a time, then utilizing multiple platforms, you can get really crazy with um, some of the configurations that we do. So I've seen um, some detection dog training organizations that will stack up 20 or 30 climbs and put hides um, all over them or, um, you know, patrol dogs and working on um, can the dog, you know, climb a set of stairs or navigate this weird obstacle in order to apprehend someone. Um, so it's really interesting. You can, because you can connect and stack them, you can also create basically any configuration that you want in order to challenge the dogs as well. So lots of, lots of opportunities when you have multiples of them. Well, you've got me motivated. I work two dogs right now. I work one's a bomb dog that is about, he's an eight year old uh, chocolate lab. And then I have a two year old uh, currency detection dog, but the bomb dog, those of everybody who listens to this that knows me and knows uh, Hershey, he's an outstanding dog, but his obedience is not anything that I would brag about. So <laughs> um, as an eight year old, uh, set in his ways, most stubborn dog I've ever worked a dog. I'm going to start playing with this. So maybe I'll post a video or two and, and show you where I get, you know, hopefully it'll be a good endorsement. You know, <laughs> I yeah. would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Yeah. We've got a good mark built into him. So it should just be starting to play a new game with him that I think he'll enjoy. But his, uh, I, I, I take some heat cause I, you know, he searches on leash. So I haven't really done a lot of obedience with him. I always want him to be obedient to any odor he finds. So I've been kind of uh, hands off with them, which has worked really well, but I could see doing this as just a fun game. It's not going to change any of his behavior when we're out in the field uh, where he would, would not want to go to an odor. So I'll play with it a little bit and I will uh, keep everybody posted. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, and I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, uh, this has been a really good show. Uh, again, if people want to check out the videos, it's on the website, blue-9.com. Um, and of course, Blue Nine will be at uh, Hits next year. We had to move it, so it'll be next year, July. We'll be in Scottsdale. They're always a popular vendor. There's always a, a group of people over there kind of learning about this, and then uh, they give away quite a few of their products, and it's always one of the popular um, items to win. And then I've talked to people over the years that uh, maybe they heard about it one year, and then the next year they were standing there telling me how awesome it is. So glad I had time to really catch up with you and, and uh, start going down this road because I'm real excited about it. So thanks for all the information and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Definitely looking forward to hits next year and getting back on the road for some travel. Yeah, hopefully the world will be back to normal then. So check yes. out hitsk9.net uh, for any information. I have the all the vendors on there and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2021. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2021 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2021 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffles and gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.